I think it's on the Highwayman. Welcome to episode number 58. This is episode 58. Can you hear me? I give a test. I can hear you. Can you hear me? All right. It's Fonger News. I'm the student manager. And we have a little Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, the Highwayman. What's the Highwayman about? It's about <laughs> it's about being a fucking journeyman. <laughs> <laughs> so so apropos the journeyman, we are joined. This is a first. We're with former NHL journeyman Sean Pronger, and we're on a journey. We're actually remote driving from fucking Eagle River to Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, in a journey vehicle. <laughs> so th- th- this, I want to first thank you, Sean, because I wouldn't be at 57 podcast if it wasn't for you and your wife, Marty. Remember that one day? I do. At I, your remember house. That. I remember that. And, and we're going to go in a lot of different directions because everyone wants to hear the journey, man. We're, we could talk about Bowling Green, the Falcons. Yes. Fighting Falcons. We could talk about your 19 teams in seven different leagues, over 260 games in the NHL. And we can also talk about actually what this podcast is for. (laughs) What? (laughs) No way. To help (laughs) high school students and parents with the college search and mission process. And the reason why we're together is you're on your way to see your daughter in Columbus, uh, Kaya, at, at Ohio State. So let's talk about... Dryden, Ontario. First of all, does this kind of remind you of Dryden? Yes, it does. We were in, uh, yeah, Eagle River is like basically the Wisconsin version of Dryden, Ontario. Uh, small, you know, small town, kind of remote, great people, great like outdoor life. Um, yeah, just like, just fun to be there. And from Dryden, Ontario, you went to Bowling Green University. And for those of you who have never heard of Bowling Green. It's 15 miles south of Toledo. I know of it because they play in the lovely MAC. Was it the MAC when you were playing? It was hockey? the MAC? Well, not the hockey was in the CCHA, the Central Collegiate Hockey Association, and now they're in. I think it's Western the, uh, West, Collegiate yes, now the Western, Hockey Association. Um, but the MAC was the uh, I think it was the football and basketball. So, a little stats of Sean Pronger at Bowling Green University. By the way, he won't say. Can we, it. Can we pump those numbers up just a bit before you? Can you even know your numbers? I sadly, I think I do. All right, how many goals did you have at 51, right? 52. 52. All right. One was an empty header. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, assist. 53. Damn, you're selling yourself short. 54. (laughs) (laughs) What? Okay, so Pronger, Prongs as I call him, famous alum at BGSU, but some other people that played hockey at Bowling Green, Kevin Bieska. Yep. Right? Uh, Dodger. Come on. Who is the pitcher? Oh, uh, Glavin? Oral. Oral Hershizer, right, right. Oral right. Hershizer. That's right. I forgot about that. So, why Bowling Green? Uh, why well, did you select Bowling yeah, Green? Yeah, so from Dryden, I went and played junior hockey in Thunder Bay in the USHL for the Thunder Bay Flyers. And then uh, I, got a, I got recruited to a number of schools, and I went and checked out uh, you know, on visits for a few of them. But went to, when I went to Bowling Green, it just felt right, and it was funny because normally when you go on these recruiting visits you go during a game so you get to experience kind of the atmosphere i because we played on the weekends i couldn't miss any games so i had to go like on a sunday night and monday night and right so i got to go like experience what class is like and stuff like that so it was it just felt like home to me so it just felt comfortable and so you know it was uh it was actually an easy decision. I'm glad I went. I wish I would have played better. <laughs> I was fortunate enough to play for uh, Jerry York for all four years, who's the uh, he's the winningest coach in college hockey history. At what college? Come at, on. Well, he was at uh, he started. Uh, I think he started at Bowling Green. Then yes. he's, and now he's at Boston College. BC. He actually yes. played at Boston College, so him going back was kind of a homecoming. Uh, and then, funny enough, he was elected into the NHL Hall of Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, having never either played or coached in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, great guy. Great guy. And, and Bowling Green, so what other college campuses did you visit? I visited St. Cloud, Minnesota, Minnesota. Duluth. Okay. Uh, and then I was supposed to go to Colorado College for a visit. But once I went to Bowling Green, I canceled it because I wanted to go to Bowling Green. And then I got offered a scholarship to go to Miami. Um, 
but for the fall, I, had to, I had to wait a year, but I didn't want to wait. And we're talking, obviously, you were at BG at Bowling Green when I, I was almost at Long Beach State, and it's and we talk about this a lot. Completely different as student athletes, how it is today back then. I mean, back then, and I think probably at the same time, 6,000 students on campus uh, that were residents, but it's a university of 19,000. Yeah, I think when I went, I think it was either, I think it was 18,000. There's 18,000 people in the town and 18,000 students. So it's really kind of a college town. College town, yeah. right. And most of them are from Ohio. Yeah. Like 85% yeah. of them are from Ohio. And if you can kind of visually, if you can remember, I know it's been a while. It has been. I love telling my audience and followers this. If you could walk through Bowling Green now, like set it up, set the stage, because it's kind of like a rectangular shape. Yeah. Correct? Yeah, I'm trying to visualize, like, I mean, we lived off campus for three of the years, so a lot of, you know, the rink was a kind of the central, you know, part of our life, so it's like right. from the rink, you know, going to the student union for, we'd have to meet there for um, for breakfast, we had like, <laughs> because we got, because our record was not very good, the coach <laughs> wanted to try to uh, manage all the other activities that we may or may not be doing, so we had like mandatory breakfast club, uh, so 8 a.m. breakfast at the union, main like the main union. Uh, and then from there we went to class. So just the main square of the union coming out and just seeing like the different buildings and then, right. then you know coming out of those buildings and then you know sometimes walking all the way to the rink, which was not close. Uh, or you know if you had a car, then you had to walk back home, get a car, and then drive. But you know the rink was a big part of our life, and it was uh, it's always like a sanctuary no matter what's going on in your life. So it was, it was um, you know that's the, that's the part I miss the most, even uh, for my pro days too, is the rink. Is the rink. Well, well, and we're gonna get into your journeyman. Obviously, you wrote a book about it with Dan Murphy. Yeah. Right? So we'll talk about that. But let, let's, so we can please the all your followers sponsors. and audience. All your sponsors? Yes. <laughs> Bowling Green. All right. Do, 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 you, do you remember, did you live in the dorms? Did you have a, uh, was your roommate like a student athlete, hockey player? Or how, how was that arrangement and how was it back well, then? Well, I mean, this might be funny or maybe, maybe it's sharing too much information. But the year before I got there, the hockey players lived in the co-ed dorms um, and then when I got there we were in a all men's dorm got it yeah so got I'm it. not sure what happened but we were now in an all guys dorm which when it sounds kind of like it wouldn't be as fun but I'll tell you it was probably more fun because it was like we were on like a like a constantly on like a tournament in, in a hotel because it was just <laughs> always something going on like we had card games non-stop so we had I really enjoyed um, my dorm experience and it was my dorm room, I look at my daughter's dorm room compared to my dorm room, and it's like night and day how nicer they are now than when I went to school. Oh my gosh, you, you're absolutely right. Because <laughs> yeah. when I walked into my both my daughter's rooms, I said, man, back in my day, it yeah. sure was not like this. No, it was almost like, a, when I look back, it was kind of like a what, prison cell. What's your one favorite memory of living in the dorms? I think just, you know, at any given night you could wander down the hall and there's something going on whether it like didn't matter if it was a Monday Tuesday Wednesday whatever it was you could always find something to do whether it was like guys are watching a movie guys are like up drinking guys are playing cards so I just love the like the availability of whatever you kind of were wanted to do that particular night right and there's there I don't know if there was like Hannah Hall there or some of like the founders hall do these this is some of the landmarks now. Yeah, like I, I mean, Green. the one I stayed at was Cole Hall. Was that okay. was the dorm? Um, but I don't recall any other names. <laughs> I, I made sure I did a lot of research before this uh, podcast. <laughs> now, so I wanted to come like uh, be um, as uh, free flowing as possible, though. Ex exactly right. Can so can. And I don't even. I was trying. I was looking at it because obviously you were a hockey player. But did you even know what Greek life was? No, I had no idea. No, I, I still kind of don't because, you know, that we never had our, like, I guess our hockey team was kind of fraternity, but yes, we didn't really associate with the fraternities or anything like that. So it was, it was, it's still all new to me. I mean, I do understand it and make, and, and why people, you know, join the fraternities or sororities. It makes a lot of sense. But at that time, it was not, not, a, not even, didn't even cross my windshield. So speaking of windshield, can you put yes, some like water? Yes, can, can you can it hear it. You. We are driving down. I. 51 51 or South. interstate 51 and we might have to take a side pause because <laughs> uh, we, eagle river okay we're just coming from eagle river headed to madison and columbus and i've never heard about sledding like through town and how many why don't you explain the story because that's the story in itself well i mean just the fact that you can take a snowmobile or a sled 
uh, basically anywhere you want to go in Eagle River or surrounding areas, and you can go. I mean, we did. What did we, we did a hundred miles in, yesterday and yes. uh, hit three restaurant bars, um, and there's you know probably twenty five more we could have hit if we wanted to. It was uh, that'll be the next trip. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So for those that are listening, because you got around here is obviously University of Wisconsin and we'll have a remote podcast the following after this one but there's things for parents to do like yes. we, we are having fun yeah. now, I don't know was there this kind of things to do activities at Bowling Green no <laughs> nothing there was nothing to, I mean maybe you went to what Six Flags or something like that but that wasn't I mean that was only in the summer I think but yeah there's nothing for my parents it's either I mean, you're coming to watch a hockey game or Visit, you know, take your take me to dinner or something like that. But there was no, like, hey, let's go do something fun and uh, right. yeah, no getaways. Now, wait, were you on full scholarship? Uh, yes. Okay. So they, yeah, I think now they don't get as many as they did when I played. We, I think pretty much everybody. We had probably five or six kind of walk-ons, but that was just like we had extra players. But for the most part, uh, I think we had like nineteen scholarships. But uh, I was a yeah, full scholarship. And to your earlier question about my roommate, he was also a hockey player. Got it. it. The last two podcasts, we've had student athletes on, and we talk about, all right, because some, some of it financially helped in certain different sports. But the key thing is, and I don't know if you had this back then, but did you have, like, uh, early registration for classes where you got yeah. all, your, all the classes that you wanted? Yes, it was just really, it's a lot easier to go through the whole process when you're a student athlete. Absolutely. Because, because you have people that will handle a lot of that, that kind of stuff, or not handle it, or, or at least guide you in what to do. Yes. Uh, and now that, you know, being a parent and seeing how complicated or involved it is, uh, I'm thankful because I, I mean, my parents wouldn't have known because they grew up, you know, we grew up in Canada, they, you know, the Canadian thing, and so right. it's just completely different. Well, not only you, you, you get your priority registration, but the academic counseling too. Yeah, it's whatever. Like you have all the resources at your disposal, so it's like they do. They try to make it that part of your life as easy as possible, so you can focus on, you know, being a good student and also being a great, you know, right. great athlete. Because now, if you fast forward again, we were the reason why the student manager podcast took off is because of the inspi- you inspired me. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you inspired. You me. might be the first person I've ever inspired. <laughs> And I tell that people on the first episode, number one, I said because of Sean and Marty. But you had that process going with your first daughter, Kaya. Like, were you clueless? Yes, I'm still clueless. I like, we, you know, luckily we could, you know, thankful, thanks to you for pointing out a college counselor. I couldn't imagine navigating it, the process without one. Okay, so so let's get there because, and, and I told you this podcast is just going to be free flowing. We can go in any any, any direction. Without me say, saying that, obviously you have uh, a counselor and Jerry, yep. uh, Jerry Frazier, who's been on this podcast. But, like, what's your advice to high school parents or even students? And you kind of, I'll say it, you started out late because you yes. got late to the game, but everything worked out for, it happened for a reason, worked out. So, what's your advice to parents and then students? Well, I, I, I was, I guess, taking my own advice because I have a second child that's now, you know, he's a junior in high school. So yes. now we're starting early. You know, we got a hold of Jerry, so he, beginning of his junior year, even though I think you, some people start their freshman year, but I feel... <laughs> Why I are you feel, looking at me? I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it just helped to, so that you're not under the gun because there was a lot of stress involved because I got a hold of Jerry late in the process for Kaya, and so it was a lot of, like, last... Everything was kind of last minute, and, like, you know, Kaya was stressed out and you know I was stressed because I didn't know what was going on and Jerry was stressed because Kai wasn't doing their stuff and, and you know so it was just a cluster and so this time I feel like we're ahead of the game a little bit and I would you know just my advice would be like start early okay to parents in, in whatever the process like if you're getting a counselor do that but if not start whatever schools you're interested in or whatever majors like figure out what schools they are to so wean it down because we did everything kind of last minute and you know unfortunately COVID hit and so Kaya couldn't even visit any of the schools that she wanted to check out that she got accepted to. And so because we waited too long, we had to basically pick Ohio State sight unseen. Fortunately, everything worked out. She's loving it. And so it's, it all worked out. But it, there was a, it was a lot bigger of a chance of things going wrong than right, right. But because we weren't you know, ahead of it. And I tell parents this all the time. I said, if you have the resources and you can do it, try to check out all the college campuses 
before your senior year, before you're entering application stages, and then let that senior year come, you get accepted, you use that spring break to say, okay, here's where I wanna go, here's where I wanna go. And unfortunately, you're right, COVID yeah. hit, didn't happen. But that's why I think we've even had this conversation on this trip of what are you doing differently with Van? It seems like you're ahead of the process. Yeah, I, feel, I mean, I feel like I am. I mean, we'll see. Um, might, we might end up in the same place anyway, but uh, it's, I just feel like I got more time, and, or he has more time to kind of get things dialed in where uh, Kaya was like, everything was like last minute, and it was stressful. So the, I think getting ahead of it will just alleviate a lot of the stress in a stressful situation that it's going to be anyway. You, you've heard that, and I've emphasized this. I'll reiterate it. Preparation. Yeah. Get it ahead. So I'm going to go back because you're going to laugh at this one. How many times have you been in Jerome Library? And that was... That's the library. I'm assuming that's the library in Bowling Green. Uh, yes. <laughs> I will, uh, well... Be honest. Okay, well, the reason I was there more than you think was because when you, if you had a grade point average under a certain amount, what, to, go along with to go along with Breakfast Club, <laughs> there was also a study club. And so, unfortunately, one semester, my grades were not uh, at the level the coach would have liked. And so I was in study hall with some of my other teammates and so we had to meet there every night after practice after dinner we had to go there for like two hours so i was there more than you think i'm not sure what it was but that particular semester would have been like three times a week and i know you you're very social and sometimes i remember in our library at long beach state there was like the the greek floor for students where it was basically social hour the studying students and then you know where you can't hear you can hear a pin drop right. like would you we were in a we were sequestered to an area where we weren't going to affect anybody or interrupt anybody else. <laughs> All right. Now, since you've graduated, Bowling Green has now been replaced by the Stroh Center. It yes. seats five thousand uh, seat arena. You played in the old Anderson Arena, correct? That's well. That's the basketball team. Stroh's is basketball. Anderson's okay. basketball. We were in the Bowling Green Ice Arena, and that is now the Slater Family Ice Arena. This. Yeah. Now, did they just renovate it? Yeah, it's re renovated. They did it. I mean, there's only so much they could do to renovate. But they did. It. I mean, I was there uh, three years ago. Okay. And it, yeah, they did, it looks great. Has a lot changed? I mean, since you were on campus three years ago, because I, I. I mean, there's been there's just more buildings. Like they've expanded. Uh, it's still the same kind of feel though. Like really small town, college town. Uh, you know, really great people. Uh, you know, every time I go back there, it feels like I never left. To be honest with you. They're expanding with all these buildings with these donors. Is that because of your lovely NHL career? The, <laughs> yes. The, the Pronger family? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're still waiting for my donation. I, yeah. So 1991 comes around. You were drafted uh, number 51 from the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Pronger coming out of college, center left-handed. Uh, yes, right? left, yes. Okay. So let's talk about from let's start the let's start now the journey the journey you get drafted by Vancouver which is uh, that's actually a funny story too the draft so let's hear about it yeah so my dad and I you know like no one no one unfortunately I was like a pioneer for our, t our town because no one in my like lifetime had been drafted so we had no idea what we were doing or what to do we didn't you know you couldn't have an agent as a you know as a college player so we really had no idea. So we like, well, let's go to the draft. There was, uh, <laughs> someone said, you know, I might get drafted. So I'm like, well, this would be a great experience. Let's just go. Okay. So my dad and I flew to Toronto, and rented a car, and drove to Buffalo. Uh, and, you know, we had no idea about the draft. So I knew I had to wear a suit. And I had one interview with a team. So I had, I had one I had an interview with the Vancouver Canucks the night before the draft. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to, if I get drafted, it'll probably be Vancouver. Okay. That's what I thought. And so, but, so we go to the draft and the, the players and their families, they go in a certain way and they're in the lower bowl basically around the whole draft floor. Like the, the draft, the floor with all the teams, or the teams are all on the floor of the arena. Okay. And like they got their own tables and all that stuff. So it's, it's full. And then players, eligible players and, and their families are sitting around in the lower bowl of the arena. Got it. Well, we had no idea. So, I mean, I knew on TV, I've seen the draft, I know where they are, but I'm like, well, I might not get drafted, so I don't want to be down there. <laughs> so I sat up with all the fans. So I'm up there, I'm sitting with my dad, my assistant coach at Bowling Green, Wayne Wilson, and one of my teammates, Jeff Wells, who lives in Ottawa in the summer. Okay. So we're sitting up there, and, you know, my name gets called, I, you know, third round Vancouver selects, you know, Sean Pronger. Now, if it was any other team other than Vancouver, 
they wouldn't even have known I was there. But Vancouver, because they interviewed, they knew I was there. So you you get to go down and meet the, all the management and meet the guy. You go get your, your jersey, yeah, picture. pictures. It's it's a great setup. The problem was I didn't I couldn't get down there because I'm st- sitting with all the fans. So I go to the security guy to get. I'm trying to go down on the floor, and he's like, "Yeah, sorry, you can't go." I go, "I just got drafted." He's like, <laughs> he's like "I don't care." I'm like, "No." The guy's waiting for me. He's right down there because they know I'm there. They're looking up in the stands. They're like, come on. And they're like, hey. I'm like, I can't get down there. So I, it took me like probably 20 minutes to get down there. Okay. Because I knew I knew it took me long because the other the team that drafted the, after I did, or after Vancouver, the guy was ahead of me in the pictures. Like it was Sandy McCarthy was drafted behind me in 52, but he was ahead of me in the pictures because I couldn't get to the draft floor. But yeah, that was funny. <laughs> that was a sign of things to come. <laughs> so... You, you get drafted, and your first assignment is? Uh, I get drafted. My first assignment is to go back to school. And, you, you know, we just we, they told me just, you know, stay in school, get better, get stronger, right. get faster. And so I did. And then, so I played three more years at Bowling Green. Um, Hall of Fame, by the way. Well, the Northwestern Ontario Hall of Fame. Yes. Very specific. But, but your name's on the... Uh, yeah, sorry. I'm probably on a board. Of, yeah, somewhere. I think it's like the NHL board right, that you play. Right near Rob Blake. Exactly. The same <laughs> caliber. They put the same level beside each other. Um, yeah, so I uh, finished my four years. And like coming out of Bowling Green, like it was 1994. The spring of 94 was like, I was done. And they basically, you could come out as a, you know, and finish the season with one of the like either the NHL team or the American League team. Right. I thought you know that's what kind of some guys did, but they're like just you know graduate, you know get your class load, and, and we'll you know we'll get you signed. So I, due to some poor course management, I actually had to go to summer school to graduate. So I stayed at Bowling Green, took two classes to graduate, and in that time, uh, there was talk of a NHL lockout coming. So basically, what happened was Vancouver. In whatever weird calculation, there it said they didn't think I had a, as they put it, a 75% chance to be in the NHL in the next three years. So that was their criteria for saying we're just going to give you your release. And so they released me, and uh, which was not, I was not devastated or anything like. Because then I had now I could go to any other team. Correct. So I was like a free agent, even though I was not a lot of uh, bargaining power. But whatever I had. (laughs) 20 whatever other teams You were a available. free man. I was a free man. <laughs> I was a free man and could go anywhere I wanted or whoever I basically offered me the most. So my agent at the time, he was talking with Detroit. Doug McLean was the GM yep. of Detroit. And so he wanted to sign me. And he, I was going to get, a, I think, a $75,000 signing bonus, like a three-year contract. I'm like, this is great. Like, Detroit was an hour away from Bowling Green, so it was going to be like... I, it was going to be awesome because I'd watched them play all the time. And so two days later, as we're kind of, you know, getting ready to draw the paperwork up, guess who gets fired? Doug McClain. Doug McClain. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so my agent tells me that. I go, let oh. me guess. The new management doesn't want to sign me. They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Back to the drawing board. So that's Next kind up. of when, yeah. So that's when the whole journey started. This is the journey. Yeah, okay. So then, I mean, are we, you want to get into that or what do you want to uh, how much tape you got? Oh, we got. We, trust me, we have like at least an hour and a half more to Madison, okay, right. and this is better than being in studio. For those of you that listening might hear Sean, like yeah, you can hear the, the swear. Wait, 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 wait. Here's a good one. Yeah, there we go. By the way, that is the wind outside. It's much colder. Much. Well, it it's much. Actually, it's much warmer than it was a few days ago. Yeah, it was minus eighteen a few days ago. Okay, so here's a question because it's just going to go where it goes, and. I remember one time sitting at the bar with you when we first met. And I go, "What do you miss the most from the NHL?" Do you remember what you said? Well, I mean, I can tell you what I mean. It would be a version of this. I yes. miss I miss being on a team. I miss being with the guys. I miss being in the room. Yep. You know, I miss the like I miss playing, but I you know I don't miss the grind of it. Right. Like the, well, for me, it was like the constant uncertainty. Um, but yeah, I miss just being on a on a team in the room with that camaraderie. Yeah, yeah, just like it's like your family. I miss that part. And, and that's what. The, and then when you you probably get together with some of the, your your old teammates, it's like times yeah. never change. Right. No. It's. I mean, it, and that's what I. You know, every time I get together for you know to celebrate somebody, you know, whatever, Jersey retirement, Hall of Fame, whatever it is, uh, or just kind of bump into guys. Like it's like you pick up where you left off, and it's like why don't we do this more? And you know, but you know, people are just. 
you know, got their lives they got to live, and it's, you can't you can't sit in the locker room your whole life. Right. So, out of your teams that you played for, what what team was your favorite memories? Ooh, great question. Um, I think my first Anaheim that first year, like we were. I played a, like a half the season, but I, I that was when I became an, like an NHLer for at least a little bit. Um, that team was pretty cool because you know I played with like Yari Curry. I grew up watching him, right. you know, and I got to play with him. who was an unbelievable guy. You know, I got to play with Timu Solani, Paul Korea, Brian Bellows. Like these are you know these are all like unbelievable players that I well Korea and Solani not so much, but um, Yari and Bibi um, were guys I grew up watching. And yes. be able to play with those guys, and then. You know, that was the, we made the playoffs for the first time in franchise history. We won a series in seven games against uh, Phoenix, which was awesome. And then we eventually lost to Detroit in, like, we got swept by Detroit, but I would say it was arguably the closest sweep in history because we lost, of the four games, we lost three in overtime, mm-hmm. you know, uh, single overtime, double overtime, and triple overtime. And those and that team went on to win the uh, Stanley Cup, and then they won it back-to-back years. Uh, so that was, a, that was a fun team. And then I would say Columbus. I was there for a full season. Uh, I think it was 01, I think, um, to, like 2000, 2001. But it was, uh, you know, it was basically that was an expansion team. So you got, you know, kind of a cast of, or a, a cast of cast-offs. Cast of characters yes, all joining right, together. Right, right. Yeah, they're all, and they're all kind of really good character guys. And it was just a blast uh, to be a part of that team. And, like, we were... You know, playing in Columbus was awesome because I wouldn't say they knew that much about hockey, but they loved just the energy of the game and the physicality of the game and the passion. And they were like, they were unbelievable fans. So much so that we had a above 500 record at home, and we were nine and 31 on the road. <laughs> We'd have teams come in that were like first place and whatever. Like St. Louis would come in their first place in their division, get their ass. They'd kicked. come in and lose, and they'd have a you know a players only meeting. And so every like, this happened like probably four or five times where like San Jose came in, they had a great team. We beat them, players only meeting after the game. New Jersey came in, we beat them, players only meeting. We got to the point where one of the, I think it was Jeff Sanderson said, you know, we should really get a boardroom table in there so that they can have the, their meetings around a table. <laughs> after the games, yeah. right? I, I mean, and you always talk highly of Columbus and hence maybe, was there any push with Kaya going to Columbus? It was all, the push was only because we knew the city and we, we loved the city. I knew that much, and I knew Ohio State was such a great school, and uh, you know has a great history and a great alumni. That it was kind of like, listen, I can tell, I can speak. I don't know what the camp, like all that stuff, like classes and stuff. I don't know what that's like, right? But I know the campus is great, and I know the city is great, and I think it would, you know, if you got to pick something blind, at least you have some sort of background. You kind of knew. What uh, she funny was enough, I mean, into. like full circle. That's Kaya literally took her first steps in Columbus because yeah. she was you know, like from zero to one was in Columbus. That's right. Yeah, Kaya it's was kind of, a, kind of a homecoming. So, you, you've been around a lot. <laughs> yeah, you, right. That is you, the understatement. <laughs> you, you've talked about Columbus. I love talking to people that have explored and experienced because what are what are some and this could even be for when you were at Bowling Green and people that are listening. What are some college towns that might stand out? Obviously, Columbus because you played there, but also being in the NHL. What are some places that stick out and why? Yeah, so I would say anywhere in Canada was always a favorite place for me to go. Having grown up in Canada and you know watched hockey in Canada, and um, you know we went to Winnipeg Jet games and any just that you know it's a, another level. Like in the U.S., I mean people love hockey, but they've got baseball, they've got football, they've got basketball. In Canada, it's hockey. Like that's that's everything. And the so, whiteout. You told me yeah, go yeah. watch a game. Yes, like, like a whiteout, right? Like that, that's everything to like people in Canada is hockey so to be able to go and play against teams there was uh, was a, a thrill and my second game in the NHL no my third game in the NHL was in hockey in Canada against Toronto and so I remember I got called up uh, I was a, I got called up on a Tuesday but I played my first NHL game on a Wednesday I didn't even look at the schedule I was just like focused okay I just want to get one NHL game in and then I can you know then I can never play another hockey game in my life I just want to play one game one and done right so then I played the game and I thought, like, no one told me anything, so I, I didn't pack for a long stay. So I, I packed, like, one set of clothes, and I was so, like, thrilled to go. And, like, I literally parked my car at the airport in Baltimore in short-term parking and just kind of left it. <laughs> and I'm like, 
I don't. I just what was get your the, parking ticket? I don't. I had my roommate like come over. I think it was like probably a couple hundred bucks because he got it like a couple days later. But so I that was my thinking was like so short term. Like just get there, play the game, and then whatever happens happens. But I played the game expecting to get set down right after. He's like, all right, Sean, we're uh, we're taking the plane to uh, Detroit tomorrow, and so I'm like, I'm gonna get another game in. So I still didn't know the schedule, and so I finally look at the schedule. We played Detroit Friday. And we play Toronto Saturday, and I'm like, oh my god, like the mecca of hockey. I'm gonna, I go, I got it. So I'm playing in the game against Detroit, and I'm just like, whatever you do, just get in the lineup on Saturday. Like that was my whole world. It was like, play, you do whatever you gotta do Friday, but to you gotta to play the, Saturday. To get to the next game. And so I, well, it was just for lack of a body, it was the only reason I played on. So I played Friday. I think we lost. I'm sure we lost. And I don't think they could get anybody there quick enough. So I got I played in Maple Leaf Gardens. Um, yeah, I was. I'll never forget it. I mean, I faced off against Doug Gilmore, and it was just like this is like happening. It was. It was. Yeah, it was. It was unbelievable. But anywhere in Canada was. A, it was always fun. And when I was playing for Pittsburgh, we yes. actually had a playoff series against Montreal. There's but, another great, yeah, iconic, like, yeah, franchise, Canadian like, yeah. franchise. It's like Toronto, Montreal. Like those two. It was. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was. Uh, that was incredible. You, know, you, you talk about facing off against Dougie G. I, it's interesting because last week we, we, we had some MLBers on the podcast, and I always talked about who, who's the batter you feared the most or who's the easiest out. So when you're on the ice, all right, and I forget what line you were. You want to say? <laughs> Four, I was the fourth line. Oh, gosh. Or the fifth line, actually. <laughs> so when you were what, – what line did you fear the most? Like if you're playing on line number one or you're playing against line number one, if – so the hardest line that I played against. So what we when we played yes. Detroit in the playoffs. I was on the four. Well, as Warren Reichel would say, we were on the fifth line because it was like uh, Paul Correa, Timo Solani, and Steve Ruchin were the first line. Okay. So they would go basically they would go one, two, three, one, four would be the way they would go. So we were actually the fifth line. But what would happen is against Detroit in Detroit, the home team gets the last change. And that's when the Russian five were flying. Sergey. So every time the pronger line went out there, <laughs> the Russian five went out. And it, and so Warren, Warren Reiko would say to me, because I was the centerman, he goes, hey, prongs, if you don't win this faceoff, we are going to be chasing the puck for two <laughs> minutes straight. So he's like, win the fucking draw. And I'm like, all right. So, But those guys were like playing at such another level. It was, I mean, it was incredible. Like just, I was standing out there going, oh, we were, this is kind of fun, but holy fuck. They can score literally every shift. Now, and we always talk about the speed of the game with athletes. So, obviously, you're a professional athlete. Your speed of the game was fast. But against that line, was it even, were you yeah. like, what am I doing? Yeah, like, they play, they play at such a high level, such a fast pace that it was, like, just to keep up with them, like, without even having the puck was all I could do. And I couldn't even do that. And they just make the game look so, the game slows down for them, even though they're going 100 miles an hour. So, and... And they always talk about like the great one, Wayne Gretzky, seeing the puck in advance. The next, who, who is he? he? He sees great court vision, right? Yeah. So explain that to the followers and audience. And then when you're playing, what separates like maybe you from? Okay, I want to say it. Like your brother? Yeah. Well, I was gonna, I was, I was gonna give an example of that. Like of okay, my perfect. brother. Like I was playing for Boston in the exhibition game, and we played against St. Louis. And Chris was in the lineup, and I was in the lineup, and. Uh, like when I'm on the ice, all I see is bodies everywhere. I can't like there's no room to go. There's I, I can't like there's just it feels like there's a hundred people on the ice, and then when he's out there, it looks like it's him and whoever he's passing to. Like he can whether it's because he can see over people, but the game seems to just look easy for the guys like him, like just play at such a high level that it looks like things are in slow motion and there's so much room out there. But I can tell you as kind of a regular dude on the ice again with these guys, it's not like that at all. It is 100 miles an hour and bodies are everywhere and sticks are everywhere and you're trying to make plays and it's hard. And these guys make it look easy. Your biggest hit? Well, I can tell you getting hit was probably Rob Blake. I'm on a highlight reel somewhere of him just absolutely destroying me. <laughs> yeah, like thanks. Do you remember it? I do. I was, I was re I, like, you don't want to ever reach for things. And I was reaching for a puck, and he was not looking at the puck. He just, like, literally, I don't know if you've seen him hit, but he, he kind of hits you with his ass. So he, he came across and drilled me and hit me from, like, my chest to my hips and just crushed me where I 
lost my breath, and I, I, I just, I somehow was, luckily I was right near my bench. I just, like, picked myself up, and change, change, and then just, like, finally caught my breath, like, three minutes later. But, yeah, he hammered me. I think Ty Domi hit me hard once. Um, I'm trying to think who else, but... Yeah, it was... Uh, Domi was a fighter. Yeah, yeah. So I, I pretended like everything was all right. I didn't wanna, I'm good. I didn't want to get knocked out in Maple Leaf Gardens by him. <laughs> what about you hitting something? Hitting? Uh, yeah, so I, I, it was Igor Kravchuk, I think. I hit pretty good. Uh, broke the glass in Columbus. Uh, I cranked Peter Sikora in New Jersey, like in Anaheim. I'm trying to think who else I hit. Yeah, there's been a few other. I can't remember the names. I mean, you know, I mean... There isn't that many to forget, but I can't forget. And we talk about, I mean, even growing up, and it's funny because when you were playing for the Ducks, I remember when I had season tickets, and your brother, your brother's on on, on that team. No, no, he was on the Blues. He was on the Blues, yeah. on the Blues that team. Yeah. But I remember you, you would be skating around because I was all there for Korea and Timo, right? Mm-hmm. And then I call him Guy. I know his name's not Guy. No, he calls himself Guy. So. <laughs> Right? Guy. Mm-hmm. Hey, Guy. Um, As Stu Gripson would call Guy Hebert. Guy. Uh, guy Hebert, the, the goalie. Yeah. But I, I I didn't see the P on your jersey. I'm like, someone goes, Bonger. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that. I had no idea who you were. And then when, I'm like, wait a minute. Chris Shaw? I'm, I'm like totally lost. But we've talked about and, and I always went there. Here's where I'm getting at. I loved watching fights. I got so fucking pumped up. Like, we would leave the game and just like, yeah, yeah. let's go, let's go. Yeah, yeah. So, and I've always said to people, they need to, and I don't even play hockey, but it's like, they, if they don't let them fight, something bad's going to happen. So explain that to the audience and followers. Yeah, well, I think, so the thought is, with the fighting, is that it's like self-policing out there. So if, you know, if someone tries to do something that crosses the line, there is going to be ramifications. Uh, and so the thought is then, if you take fighting out of it, those types of players that want to take advantage of people, they'll do that with no repercussions, so there'll be more of it. Uh, I think, though, in today's game, because they've kind of gone through the time period where they got rid of fighting for the most part, right. there aren't players doing that anymore. There, I mean, it's it's like a, it seems like it's a little bit friendlier game. I will say it's a lot faster and a lot more skilled than when I played, but it seems like it's a little bit friendlier. There isn't that hatred or passion for that, you know, for, like the players used to have against each other. Uh, do you, think, it, do you think it's taken st- uh, the because the way when you played, and I, I I'm going to compare this to basketball because I think basketballs completely played differently now. There's no physicality inside game. There's all you, you can just drive. Steph Curry would be getting his ass crushed yeah. if he took it to the to the lane. Right. So when you see that in hockey, you're like that would never have happened. Right, and a lot of it, I mean, a lot of it is the new rules with the head. You know, people being you know headshots and stuff like that so that takes away what what once was when a player was vulnerable that's the time you would have stepped up and drilled that person right you're trying to hit them when they have their head down now that's a five in a game i think you might get suspended you know and, and you know suspensions are costly nowadays when you're when, you know, when you're making millions of dollars back when i played you know i could have got suspended for half the season it wouldn't have been that big of a pain. <laughs> All right, so it's probably changed a lot. Most gruesome injury you see. We talked about this for me or for that I've seen. That you've seen? Uh, well, it would have been Steve Moore. That would have been probably the most gruesome one when uh, Todd Bertuzzi. Visualize this. Tre- yeah, tre- paint Todd, the picture. Yeah, so Todd Bertuzzi punched Steve Moore in the back of the head, basically knocking him out, and then felt like fell on. T- he, so he's knocked out, and then kind of kept going, and f- they both fell to the ice, except Steve Moore fell on his face with his weight and Todd Bertuzzi's weight on him who Todd's like 240 pounds back then and you know we found out later like fractured his neck but he cut his head so bad that I was on the pile and so it was like Steve Moore on the bottom Todd Bertuzzi on him I think it was Igor Nikolishin on top of Todd and then I was on top of Igor and I heard Igor screaming for everybody to get off and all you could see was this pool of blood like forming this thick pool of blood underneath the pile and it was just, it was and it was just like all right this guy's hurt let's get right, him off right and so yeah that was probably the most gruesome i saw another guy a teammate of mine uh, a broken wood stick jabbed him like almost in the artery in his groin and he like you know wounded soldiered himself like away almost to center ice and there's a trail of blood of him trying to get off the ice. Eventually stopped the game and they got him off. That was gruesome. I think my broken jaw was pretty gruesome. That was my worst injury, which was awful. 
uh, to get slap shot in the face. My first year pro, I think that was a. I'm still coming to terms with that. <laughs> so what happened on there? You could probably. Yeah, so I was standing for the net, like you know, we're on the power play, which is where you're supposed to stand. And uh, teammate took a slap shot, and the defenseman right in front of me put a stick there and it just ricocheted into my face. And uh, so I thought, I told you this right, where I thought, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So, <laughs> so whatever, this is how dumb and naive I am. For I thought when you break your jaw, it un- unhinges like a snake. And so there was like kids in the like in the stands right around. So I, I went down, got up, and I was holding my jaw basically in place, sort of thought, <laughs> thinking that I want to freak anybody out. So the trainer's running out to me, and I, 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 run, I skate past them. I'm holding my jaw with my bare hand. There's blood pouring through my fingers. And so I race into the, the locker room. I'm like, all right. And I get in front of the mirror. I'm like, okay, this is going to be gross. And I take my hand away, fully expecting my jaw to basically hit my <laughs> chest. It doesn't. I'm like, oh, okay. So now I'm like, okay, let's t- you know assess the damage. And so I stick my face in the mirror, and then blood's just pouring out. And I'm like, well, all my teeth are there. And I'm like, okay, my jaw looks about right. I'm like, where's the blood coming from? And I, you know, I thought it, it looked like I you know, missed a tooth, but I wasn't. So what happened was I took a puck in the side of the jaw and it basically split in my uh, jaw in the middle. And right. so then, yeah, and then the do- so then I go back out. So the doctor comes in, checks me out. He's like, oh, it looks like you got to, you know, just cut your gum. I'm like, I don't, doc, I go, something's not right here. And he's like, no, no. And this is in the East Coast League, right? This, I don't even know if this guy was a doctor. <laughs> so anyway, he was, play, he was playing. The, I think he stayed at Holiday Express. <laughs> so he's, he's pretending to be a doctor. And uh, so I go back on the ice, finish the game. It goes to overtime. It goes to a fucking shootout. I shoot in the shootout. Uh, better part of the I should lie, but I didn't score. I wish I said I would have scored. Oh. I know I should lie. No one will know. Uh, yeah. Don't yeah. look it up. Edit, edit this. Um, <laughs> and so I, after the game now, the doctor's there. I'm like, doc, there is something wrong with my face. So he takes out the old wood depressor, like starts poking around. He's like, no, no, I think, I think you're just bruised and you got a cut, a small cut in your gum. I'm like, all right. And, you know, like, small town kid, I just, if you're a doctor and you say I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. So now we get on the bus to get back home. There's pizza waiting for us. So I went to take a bite of pizza and literally almost blacked out in pain. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm just going to be drinking my blood for the rest of this trip home. So get home. And now, because I just got there, I got sent there uh, from San Diego. So I'm in Greensboro, North Carolina, in a hotel. I just got there. I don't have a vehicle. It's getting shipped, which is another story. Um, so, and this is all my first year pro, so I, I have no idea what's, what I should be doing. I'm in a, so I'm in a hotel. I'm stuck there. i got to wait for a teammate to pick me up for practice the next day. I go to the rink. I tell our guy, listen, my face, there's something wrong with me. He's like, all right, well, after practice, we'll get you to go see somebody. I go, i got to fucking practice? <laughs> like, all right. So I go practice, come back. And I got to get a ride by somebody in the office to the, like, dock. And he's like, I get an x-ray. He's like, oh, looks like your jaw's broken. I'm like, oh, you fucking think? Like, no shit, it's broken, you fucker. I've been telling you right. for the last... For fuck's sakes. So I, uh, yeah, so now I got to get, he goes, I got to get your jaw wired shut. I'm like, oh, great. He's like, okay, here's what we're doing. Your appointment is in, like, is tomorrow. So today I want you to go to the pharmacy and get this pain medication because you're going to need it. I'm like, all right. So I don't have a car. I'm in the hotel. Like, yeah, you know what? I'll just get it tomorrow after my surgery. Like, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, but like, I'll get it tomorrow after my surgery. So, so I get somebody in the office picks me up, takes me to the place. I get my jaw wired shut. I wake up. Nothing. I feel fine. I'm like, what the fuck? I don't know. Right. Whatever. You know, I, I I know this now. It was still I was still anesthetic. Was still working. So I go home. I don't get the paid medication, and I sit in my hotel room thinking everything's fine. So now I'm tr- trying to talk to my girlfriend, who is now my wife, um, on the phone. And I'm, so I'm trying to talk to her with my jaw wired shut, <laughs> which was like pointless. So now I'm like, all right, just hang out. Okay, I'm going to go to bed. So I lay down, go to sleep. I wake up at one in the morning in absolute agony. The, the anesthesia had worn off. I don't have any pain medication. It's one in the morning and I don't have a fucking car. And the pharmacy doesn't open until eight. Like, and you have a game. Right, and so now, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so now I'm, I got seven hours to kill. I, and I was like, I was trying to like claw my teeth out, like claw the, the, the steel off my teeth. I was in so much pain. 
So what I did for six hours is I ran a hot bath, got oh. in it, sat in it till, till it got cold, drained the tub, ran a bath again for six fucking hours. You're listening to Sean Pronger <laughs> talk about when he broke his jaw. Oh, you know what? And, and, and just in that story in itself, you're talking about these road trips. Like you've been traded, you've been sent up, sent down. How? How did that make you? who you are today because there's a story and a lining in this yeah no I would say all that stuff all the stuff that happened to me all the trades all the the, the call the, you know the call ups the you know, send downs on waivers you know no one want you know people don't want to resign you, you just you get resilient and you learn to just kind of focus on the things that you can focus on and, and control and everything else you know whatever it, you, just so you control whatever you can do to be successful or, or control your little world and everything else and it, it is paid off so much for me in my like life and in my job now and my career or whatever just because you kind of there's so many things you could worry about but none of them you can control so it's like don't worry about that and focus on the things you control because you know I've had to you know had to be in sales in the financial industry through the global financial crisis when you know people were losing their mind I just was like this is kind of like just regular like right. my life was just was they, my life was more day to day when I played hockey so I'm going to transition this back to the student manager helping high school students and parents because there, there's times and situations where students go off to college right and maybe it's not the right I don't, I don't know what decision they made obviously they want to come back or uh, you have the parents saying it's okay it's okay it's okay so I know that shit would not happen in the Pronger household because you're trying to teach them. Right. Like, you know, I mean, I get there's certain things that may happen where it, you know, that absolutely have to switch schools, but for the most part, it's like, just, like, finish what you started, you know, I think is the big thing, and not, not life is not all just fucking rainbows, you know, it's not, it's, there's going to be challenges, and, and to, like, think you got to basically quit and, you know, go home every time something doesn't go your way, I don't think is a, is a, a good message. I think you need to learn how to be like, have some resolve I mean, that was right. actually Jerry York like I remember him s talking about that it's like I, I want players with resolve and I think that's how you got to be in life because fuck you, you know you might have to live through a global pandemic one day and somehow wow. manage that yeah you know that shit isn't easy right it's not I mean it's fucking hard and it's just a matter of like okay well every day you just get up and like okay I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna make the best of it because what is the alternative like you can't the, the, if you just think you can't, I don't know, in my mind, sometimes I just give myself, like, there's no, you have no option. Like, right. literally go across the bridge and blow the fucker up so you can't go home. <laughs> okay, so obviously, I'm going to say, I'm going to assume, I don't know, your favorite coach. Uh, I've had a few, well, Jerry obviously was a big impact on me. Let's just go 1A, and what, go, what, your yeah, favorite coach in the NHL. It was, so I would say Ron Wilson, when he was my first coach, I just, the way he coached, like, he was really kind of, uh, like, high IQ kind of coach, was really kind of fun to watch him I mean I wish he would have played me more <laughs> but obviously he was a good coach and uh, judging well, talent maybe he was a great coach <laughs> he was he, right uh, funny story about Ron uh, I, so, so it was at the uh, I think it was the Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony I, he uh, he was there it was for my brother no no sorry it was the NHL awards so it was the NHL awards when my brother won uh, he won MVP but I was at the hotel that all the other players and whatever coaches were at in Toronto in the summer and so I was coming from my room and I was going down to the gym. And so the elevator opened at the lobby and Ron was right there waiting. You know, I, you know, it's been a couple of years since I've seen him. And so he looks at me, looks at the direction of the elevator because the gym's in the basement, right? He looks at me, looks at the elevator direction. He goes, hey, Prongs, looks like the elevator is going the same direction as your career. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you, Ron. <laughs> oh my god, he was so right. But anyway, he like great coach and just watching him kind of manage, you know, two well, Hall of Famers, Paul and Timu and, and how he kind of right. you know, coached them and you know, it wasn't just like, hey, whatever you guys want. He kinda of was hard on them and it was you know, you're kind of hard on the guys that are gonna get you the furthest and it was really interesting to watch. Who are your favorite teammates? Oh fuck. I mean all I mean I mean, all the guys that played, there's maybe, you know, one or two guys that I couldn't stand, but I'd say they're all, like, I'd say Ray Whitney would be up there. He was awesome. I mean, Korea was an awesome teammate just to watch how he prepared, you know, and how, uh, you know, just to be around him. You know, Wayne Gretzky was a you know, teammate of him. His, just to see how they carried themselves and that stuff. You know, Timu, I mean, 
I mean, you talk about free spirit. I mean, that guy, he, he, I, mean, I like to check his pulse when he's about to go on the ice. I mean, he probably doesn't even move. He doesn't even move. <laughs> um, you know, Brian Leach was an awesome team. I mean, they're all, everybody was an awesome team. I mean, you know, the guy, everybody in Columbus that I played with, I, mean, I just really, Jody Shelley, I would consider, you know, one of the, you know, best guys I played with. He was just an awesome guy. We, we, you talk about the way. Jason Marshall. I feel if I name one, I got to name everybody. Wait, so by the guy. way, Jason Marshall's Pardon? daughter was on this podcast. Oh, that's right. I got to get Lila back on. Yeah. Because she was at a community college, I think IVC. Yeah. And then I always like to wait until after to see what the road is. Yeah, I don't know. I think she may still be there. Okay, yeah, and so I, I think, think it's two yeah. years. Yeah. All right, so so we're down. Yeah, uh, you talk about the preparation of someone like a Paul Korea or Wayne Gretzky, and and I talk to this about students and parents and just in life and then college and just being prepared. What's that one thing you saw? Because I we, we love preparation. Yeah. What's that one thing you saw from them? Like but, anything know, specific? Yeah, I don't know. It would be one thing. Like for Paul, like it was just his like obsession like he was so focused and that's what I think if you really want to be great like and, and if you truly want to be great you need to be obsessed and I like I don't I didn't have that and I look at all the players that were successful they are li- like in whatever sport that is like they're fucking obsessed with winning or getting themselves to the whatever level they need to get at they are absolutely fucking obsessed that with grit, every yeah that with will. every Everything, every piece of the puzzle that makes them an athlete, they are in 100% control. Whether it's rest, diet, conditioning, fucking video set, whatever that is, they're, they are 100% committed and obsessed with it, and will and demand it from everybody around them. You know, like you know, you saw how Kobe Bryant is. I mean, that yeah. guy is a fucking like one of the greatest players of all time. They're absolutely obsessed with how he did. I mean, Michael Jordan was obsessed with winning, mind you. You know, he'd shoot eight, play eight holes, and have ten beers on the. Do course. you think it's in your brother? Because it's, it's the same DNA. Yeah. Your brother Chris. Yeah. Are you born with it? I would. You know, that's a great question. And I've had this. I've had this conversation with Scott Niedermeyer, uh-huh. uh, who, and you know, when I was talking, you know, basically how great player him and Korea were, he was like, "Hey, man, it's it's not me. It was I was fucking. It was a gift. I have the right genetics, and so I think that's part of it." But, you know, there's a lot of people that you never hear of, never have heard of that have great genetics. And you just need the commitment. And I, I think the commitment maybe is genetic. I, I think maybe not. But as far as, like, your like God-given ability is part of it, is, you know, is a right. big part of it. But you also need to have the will. Like, I think that was my brother's biggest attribute was his will to win. And he would carry... He carried fucking three teams on his back to the finals. I mean, I'd, I'd say two. Edmonton and Philly was like, he carried those teams and got them to a point where they believed in themselves. You know, he got them, he played so good and so well that everybody around him got better and realized, hey, we could actually do this. Now, the team in Anaheim was just a fucking good team. And that was a sweet team. That was an unbelievable team. And so, I, you know, he was surrounded by like-minded players and Scott Niedermeyer obviously was was a big part of that because he's you know he's won championships in his whole life uh, so just to be able to play with those guys helped but when he was with Edmonton and Philly just to watch him like how he literally carried these fucking this team like kind of into battle and where they got to the point where they believed themselves and then it, it got easier like he, he kind of then was able to take a step back and everybody else stepped up and it was a, it was so fun to watch and those type of athletes raise that level of play yeah like there's like a, what is that saying it's like if you, you know if you're, you can either be great, be either play great or be hard to play against, right? Or you're, if you're really, if you're really great, you're, you're hard to play against, and you make everybody else around you better. Right, right. So, when did the book idea of Journeyman come about? So that's funny. Uh, it it kind of happened in 2008. When my brother was playing for the Ducks, okay, there was a lot of like chatter, like rumors going around, you know, why he left Edmonton and blah blah blah. So initially, he started ChrisPronger.com as a website to communicate with his fans, um, and so that's kind of how. So he started blogging, had a, like basically a blog on his website. Got it. And he wanted content, so he kept asking me to write stuff, and I've never fucking. Like I, I think I got a like a, a D minus in English in college. Like I've, Jerome Library. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Fucking study group, study hall. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not writing anything. No. 
And so he got like you know my buddy Dan Murphy, who's a you know the sport broadcaster. He got other people in the industry to write content for him to, to put on a site. And so he kept bugging me. I kept saying no. And then he wrote a blog basically in September of 2008 about about his experience in training camp. So okay. he's like looking forward to get back to you know see the guys, you know get some you know get some reps in, go to dinner. And I'm leading this shit like training camp was a fucking nightmare for me. I hated it. I hated it. He's talking about like going golfing with the boys, blah blah blah, getting ready for the season. And for me, that it was life and death every day. Like every day of training camp was awful. You're fighting with your buddies for spots on the team because you played with these guys in the minors the year before. So the guys are beating out at all your fucking friends and teammates from the year before. So it was awful. You're like you're trying to read read between the leaves when they hand out meal money, like. Oh my God! You got seven days worth of meal money. I only got three days worth of meal money. Fuck! I'm out of here. So every right, every day is is like could be your last day. So I fucking hated it. So he writes about oh, see the boys, go to dinner, go golf, fucking. So I'm like, okay, well, I got something to say. So then I just said, okay, well, that's what what, what training camp is like for superstars. So I wrote, well, this is what training camp is like for fucking journeymen. And so I wrote, what, what, basically that, like you're like on a razor's edge every day. You want to come to, you know, when you come to the rink, all you want to see is a jersey in your fucking stall, and you want to know, you want to make sure you get the most amount of days for real money. Like, that's like your tells. And then if you do everything right, if you do everything right in training camp and you play fucking great, and you're at the end of the training camp, and there's one spot left, there's two spot or two guys fighting for it, guess who your fucking roommate is? The fucking guy you're fighting with for the last <laughs> spot. That's training camp for me. And so I wrote that, and people responded to it like it was like had an open you got hits yeah got- like a co- people would comment like oh my god I had no idea oh my god I had no idea I'm like well fuck I got plenty more of this shit so then I wrote another one a follow up kind of my experience uh, in the training camp like when I was in Las Vegas and then people were like oh, fuck, this is great this is great and then I got invited to go to fucking Toronto to go on off the record with Michael Landsberg so I go to go on TV for two day- two fucking shows so I'm like well I guess there may be an appetite here so then I started writing my first year, basically my, a lot of it was that broken jaw story. I started writing my first year, uh, but like really raw, like as a blog. And so I had it like, I don't know, basically canned blogs I was going to release. Yes. Kind of thing. And then it was the 2010 Olympics. I was in Vancouver, uh, stayed at my buddy Dan Murphy's place. And I said, Murph, take a look at this. Uh, this is my first year pro, like just blog. You know, what do you think? And he read it. He's like, well, first of all, your writing is brutal. But the content, the message is kind of interesting. I'm like, all right. And uh, so anyway, that kind of left it. And then he met a book agent, Brian Wood. Holy fuck, you're 90s. I better slow down. Um, yeah, we don't, like, get getting getting we don't want to get a ticket. We don't want to get a ticket and explain to the officer right. we're live on <laughs> episode 57. What's your name? Are we 58? Oh, yeah, 58. My bad. My bad. I can't remember my goals. I remember your episodes. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Close to 58, by the way. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, he meets a book agent, Brian Wood, and Brian Wood asked Dan, because Dan is, works for the Canucks, he's on the road with them, he interviews all these NHL guys, you know, home, you know, visitors and home, or opponents and home team. Uh, Brian asked Dan, like, hey, have you come across any, any players that you think would have an interesting story to tell from a book standpoint? And Murph, because he read my first year, and I mean, we've been friends for 30-whatever years, he knows hmm. all my shit, he, you know, like... He picks up what I'm putting down. We speak, we talk the same, speak the same. He's heard all my bullshit stories. He's like, well, you might want to give Sean a call. He's got kind of a interesting take, interesting story, interesting kind of track record or history. So Brian calls me, and I so I tell him my story briefly, and I direct him to my brother's website. So he reads that, and I send him my first year pro as a blog in whatever ten fucking pages or whatever it was. So he reads it. And he says, you know, I think you might have a fucking book idea here because no one tells this side of things. Like, you always read about the fucking Wayne Gretzky's of the world or Mario Lemieux's. You don't hear this shit. Right. And there was a, I think it was called Baseball Gospel or like, it's like Tales of a Journeyman Pitcher, I think, was, uh, was something like that. Gospel, whatever, of a baseball journeyman, whatever that, that book is, was like kind of the only one out in sports about a kind of a grinder, but it was in baseball. And so he... He said, I think you got something here. Can you, like, package up, like, put a, like, table of contents together and write one, write this out in a chapter? Like, you know, have Dan, and I think you should have worked with Dan. Dan should, you know, you right. should work together. Not you, but right. just tell him. <laughs> no, yeah, so, so what I did, I wrote out 
my first year pro, like trying to do use good English, and me and then I'd send it to Dan. He'd like you know ask questions like where, who was there, what you know, what was this, you know, where were you, blah, 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 like just filling in more detail, like putting more meat on the bone. And so I'd write it in, send it to him. He'd he'd add stuff, delete stuff, and so we went back and forth with that. And then we came up with chapter ideas, were based off of my blogs, were like what it's like to be called up, what it's like to be sent down, what it's like to be traded. So it was more of a thematic chapter, it's not like chronological. Right. And so I sent it to we sent it to Brian, and and uh, and then there was a chapter in there of me or uh, on the outline. He put the different chapters on the outline. And one of the chapters was my you know my experience with Wayne Gretzky. My my when I was drunk for practice, well hungover for practice, and I was actually on Gretzky's line. I didn't know at the time. I practiced with Gretzky hungover, so that was a chapter. And he's like, "Holy fuck." You need to fill this one out. So you got to. We had to write that chapter out. So that I told that story. So we had two chapters and all the outline. And so he sent it out to seven publishers, and we got offers from two. So then we get Penguin Publishing, which is a fucking legit yes publisher. We decided to go with them, and then that whole then so we wrote out the entire book, like chapter by chapter, based on the themes that we had before. And so then the editor came back. He's like, guys. This is fucking confusing because one chapter you're in Anaheim, the next you're in New York, and I don't know how the fuck to get to New York, right? So now we're like, fuck, we had to like take the book apart and piece it back together in chronological order. The journeyman, hence. exactly. Yeah, so that, I'm glad we did because it reads way better, um, you know, in chronological because it would have been a disaster, I think, the other way. And books are still selling. Yeah, I get a fucking royalty check every every uh, six months. We might need to get a book for, oh God, I'm so good at this, teeing it up. We might need to get a book for Eric Nardini. Yes. Signed. Absolutely. Um, obviously, Massive you know. Massive fan of Barstool, yes. The, the goal of Student Manager is to get on the platform. Uh, we think it can help grow the next generation of audience and followers because of uh, having students and parents listening. But Eric is a great fan of hockey, women's hockey, loves hockey. And if there's one pitch for you to communicate about the student manager to Barstool and Erica, what would it be? Well, I would say, I mean, how more relevant do you want, like college students, athletes, plus Barstool? It just seems like a natural fit. I mean, I wish you told me I was going to be pitching it. I would have a better, more prepared. But oh, you, you can know, still pitch it. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, isn't like, doesn't that fit what Barstool is all about? Like, yeah. You know, I mean, that's kind of how it started, I think. It, yeah, because their audience is college yeah but then eventually those college people are going to you know graduate and move yeah. on but it's the high school students that they're trying totally. to go up and and we're gonna make this big uh, anyway th- this will be the goal we're gonna get a book signed for it yeah right? absolutely Can we do that yeah so I'll even I'll even make it a hard copy because those are not in print anymore <laughs> Erica <laughs> did you hear that yeah, hard yeah, copy hard copy I'll dig one up <laughs> I'll dig one up all right I like to do like rapid fire as we oh end. Boy. We're gonna normally I rapid fire. You know, we'll go back to Bowling Green University uh, because there might have been if Mr. and Miss Pronger were in town. Like, is there one place you remember like taking them out to eat or a favorite bar there? I, I, there was a bar. It's not there anymore. It was called Marks. It was the kind of the hockey bar, and I remember I was a freshman, fucking seventeen years old. Uh, and I remember looked, this is rapid fire. Right. So sorry. Yes, Marks. Yeah. <laughs> but Marks isn't there anymore. Right. Not there anymore. But my mom got hammered there. But like the, the, all the guys on my team got her shots and got her hammered. Three years ago, did you go there? Uh, and no. Did you, okay. Wasn't there. So there's Broadhouse would be the other. Be, Broadhouse is still there. So there you go. Broadhouse. 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 Okay. Now, uh, on the road, favorite city, favorite place. You're like, I'm going to that city because I'm going to kind of like when we go to Eagle River, we need to go eat at Sweet. Oh. Uh, I would say Toronto, uh, but any steakhouse in Toronto. Got it. All right. So, you know the NHL games, how many NHL games you played in? 260. Do you know how many goals you made? 23. Shit. All right. I'm going to stump you here. Dude, I can fucking remember every one of them. (laughs) How many shots did you take? Oh, boy. Uh, 300. Under two thirty-eight. Fuck, that's embarrassing. I put less than a shot a game. Oh my god! No wonder I'm. No wonder I retired early. How many assists did you have? Twenty-nine. You selling yourself short, man. Thirty. Thirty-six. Fuck. Okay. Still play. The last big one. How many minutes did you have? Can I go under over? Like this is like fucking hard. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say no, no. Uh, two thousand minutes. 
Yeah, eight, 1,800. 1,800 minutes. Under? Fuck! That's less than seven minutes a game. Uh, 1,500 minutes. 1,597. Oh. Average ice time, 10.52 on the ice. That, can't, that doesn't add up. That's, these are the stats. Wait, I gotta, ten, average 10? Fuck that. I'd be, if I averaged 10 minutes right now, I'd be making like 1.5 million. <laughs> We're not there. <laughs> well, oh, and if I was better, <laughs> if you're three inches taller, right? No, if I was, three inches, if I was just faster. Well, and, and I always tell people, if God, I'm like, if I was just, well, how many inches taller? Well, eight to twelve. <laughs> six six black guy trapped in a five eight Asian body. Right. right. Fonger news of the student manager. I want to thank. This has been fun. This has been fun. Has it been fun? We're still driving. We probably have about 40 minutes left. Head to the Madison. You you might have to be my hockey correspondent coming back every once in a while. But yeah, I'll, again, I'll drop in. On a sincere, because people don't realize I'm at 58 episodes because of sitting in your living room and you're like, you have a lot of information, kind of like your journeyman story. Yeah. You have a lot of information to share on my colleges, on my takes. People still ask me, what about this? You still come to me yeah. and ask me, what about this? We talked about Vans College. So again, this is to help high school students, parents, and every once in a while we like to have fun. Sean Pronger, former journeyman. Still a journeyman, dude. <laughs> still a fucking You journeyman. are a journeyman. <laughs> you are a journeyman. We just had a journey and exactly. we're on a journey. Exactly. In a journey. You wanna you wanna end? Fonger News out. Yes. <laughs> that was fun.